From childhood, we talk about Jonah and the whale. Yet here is a man with a mission from God, getting ready to go down into the darkness of a mind. But he didn't just end up in a whale's belly. There was a reason for him being there. You can run, but you can't hide. The Bible says, where can I go to get away from his presence? If I go down into the earth, he is there. If I make my bed in the bottom of the sea, he is there. If I ascend up into the heavens, he is there. We cannot escape God. He is there. Hey, Grace Family Church, come on, let's welcome all of our campuses joining us across the Tampa Bay community, Clearwater, which is meeting every week right now in their launch phase until Easter. South Tampa, we're on the campus faster. Man, love what God is doing down there. Temple Terrace, come on, let's continue to give it up for Temple Terrace, Ebor, Carrollwood, Atlanta Lakes, and of course, right here at Lutz. And everyone watching online, man, we're glad that you're here. My name is Mike, and man, I'm excited to hang out with you guys this weekend as we are in the middle of our Jonah series. And as, before we jump into the series, I have a question for you across all of our campuses. If you have ever run away from home, will you just lift up your hands? All right, lift up your hands, awesome. Well, uh, for me, the story of Jonah reminds me of the first time that I ran away from home. I actually ran away from home a few times when I was a teenager. The first time I was 15 and I had a friend, his name was Danny. And Danny and I were super close and we had this pact. We said, hey, if you ever run away, I'll run away. If you ever get in a gang, I'll get in a gang. Like actually the way that I was into a gang or got into a gang is that I went away to visit my dad and I came back and he said, hey man, I got jumped into a gang, it's your turn. I'm like, what? And But that's what happened. So that's kind of how I got into it. When he got in trouble, I got in trouble, and that's the way it was. And so I was 15 years old, and I'm at home, and my parents are getting along pretty well. Like, we're getting along really well. But he knocks on my door. I go to the door, and Danny says, hey, my parents are going crazy. I'm out. I'm leaving. I'm running away. And I'm like, okay. So I went and grabbed some of my stuff, and I told my parents, hey, I'm going to go outside and hang out for a while with Danny. Okay, see you later, son. Love you. Love you, too. And then we were gone. And, and the, the running away from home, if you've ever done it, so many of you have, it sounds really good until about 10 p.m. Because at 10 p.m., you realize, what's the plan? Where do you sleep? Suddenly, we've chosen to be homeless at 15 years old, and we don't know where to go. And at the time, I was living, I've, got, I've lived in Indiana and over in the St. Pete area. We were in Shore Acres, living over in St. Pete, and we didn't know where to go, didn't know what to do. And about 1 a.m., we're like, let's just find anywhere. And we ended up, no joke, sleeping under a bridge. Okay, we slept on our bridge and I, I, I now at 41 years old, I wake up sore. But when I was 15, that was the first time I ever woke up and I was sore. Like I was like in pain waking up. And when I woke up, this is kind of gross. There are all these bugs around us which means while we were sleeping, they were probably on us. Like we, we had that understanding is that we woke up and we're like, let's just go home. Like it's, it was bad, but it's not that bad. And honestly, I think running away, especially when it comes to running away from God, like it's that feeling that it sounds really good, but honestly, it's not that good. Like some of us, we've run away, like you ran away from the cold and that's why you moved to Florida. You've run away from bad relationships or maybe those guys in the mall at the kiosk that are trying to get you to do stuff. That's not too bad. Uh, for some of you, like you've run away from different things, but honestly, when you decide that you're gonna run away from God, 
It's not a great thing. And for some of us, that's our story. You grew up in church or you were a Christian or you were following after God, but you decided I'm gonna go out on my own and I'm gonna hang out with a certain group of people or do some things. And honestly, there's some, really some destruction that happened in your life and some bad things that happened. And you sort of limped your way back in and God's restored you and it's all good. But running away from God, it just doesn't work out very well. And for Jonah, that's his story. In Jonah's story, Jonah decided as a prophet, now in that day, a prophet was someone who they would hear from God and then they would speak to the people. That was his job. And God speaks to Jonah one day and says, Jonah, go to the city of Nineveh and tell them this warning so that they don't end up you know, really being under the judgment and destruction of God. Like go tell them this warning. Well, Jonah didn't wanna do that. So Jonah said, no, he decides he's gonna run. He runs away from God, ends up on a boat. And while he's on this boat, there's this big storm. Pastor Hal talked about this in week one this big storm, and Jonah realizes, if you guys just throw me overboard, the storm will go away. So the ship's captain, their crew grabbed Jonah, they threw him overboard, the storm stopped, and then a giant fish swallowed up Jonah. And then Jonah finds himself living in this giant fish, or at least alive in this giant fish for three days. And so Jonah's in this fish, and last week, Pastor Hal talked about the prayer that Jonah prayed. And he prayed and finally came to his senses and said, God, basically, I'll do whatever you want me to do. I don't want to follow you in this way, but I'll do what you want. And so God ordered the fish to spit Jonah up on the shore. And that's where we pick up in chapter three. So Jonah chapter three, verse one, it says this. And it says, then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. And, and this verse is such an important verse. And honestly, I think for some of us, as you read this story, it's easy to focus on Jonah and the whale or Jonah and the fish and think that that's the whole point of the story. In fact, for most of us, that's all we know of the story. But I believe the theme of the book of Jonah is not that Jonah got swallowed by a fish. I believe the theme of Jonah is that Jonah ran away from God, but then, Jonah, then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. The, the theme for the book of Jonah is that our God is a God of second chances. Our God is a God of second chances. Our God is someone who, even though you may have walked away and you've decided that you've not wanted to be around him, even though you've gone your own way and done your own thing, our God will still give you another chance, even when you mess some things up. I believe that no matter what happened to you, no matter what you got into, no matter the sin that you feel like defines you and the thing that messes you up, that our God is bigger than those things. In fact, the redemptive power of God is greater than the power of your sin. I'll, I'll say this again, because you gotta get this. The redemptive power of God is greater than the power of your sin. And it doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter the shame that you hold on to. It doesn't matter the secret that you walked into this weekend at one of our campuses and we don't know about it. It doesn't matter about that because God is bigger than that. And it doesn't matter if you blew up a marriage, God has not given up on you. It doesn't matter if you made a financial decision or you got a secret in your life and it's holding you back and no one knows about it, but you know that it's leading you in a direction that's bad. God is still not given up on you. And it doesn't matter even if this weekend you were to walk on the stage and slap me in the face, which I prefer you not doing, but even so, God has not given up on you. Because the redemptive power of God is greater than the power of the sin that you think has control over you. Come on, yeah. And God is a God of second chances. So I don't know what you feel like disqualifies you. I don't know what you feel like holds you back. Or I don't know what you feel like is the thing that you just can't seem to get off of you. 
But God is a God of second chances and your sin is not big enough to keep him away. There is no height nor depth nor anything on the earth that can separate you from the love of God. And I believe that your heavenly father wants you to know that if you're in for the first time and you're still figuring this out and you feel like, oh, I don't really belong here and I'm not sure if the walls are gonna crash in, I believe your heavenly father is so glad that you decided that you're gonna come home. So glad that you're gonna give him another shot because he cares desperately for you. And your sin doesn't disqualify you from God using you for what he's trying to do on the earth. And then in verse two, it says, that go, he says, go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message I give you. And this is what God speaks to Jonah. He says, go to Nineveh and proclaim the message because Jonah had a mission from God. Jonah had a mission that he was running away from. And even though he ran away from God, his mission for God didn't change. And I would say this, I believe that God has a mission for you. I believe that God actually has a plan for your life that he wants to use you to not just make an impact while you're on the earth, but to make an eternal impact that will last forever. That God wants to use you in a ministry, in a ministry capacity to help people get closer to him and he wants you to discover what that purpose is. And I believe this weekend, maybe for some of us, it's us coming back to the mission that he gave us. And for some of us, honestly, it's us discovering for the first time and if you're a follower of Jesus and you've asked him to be your Lord and Savior, you have the Holy Spirit living inside of you and that Holy Spirit can speak to you and say, this is the mission I have for you. And I believe this weekend, he's gonna wake that up in you as you head back towards him. And then in verse three, it says, Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and he went to Nineveh. Now Nineveh was a very large city and it took three days to go through it. Now. When you read the story of Jonah, I honestly, and I've read it a bunch of times as a pastor and as a Christian, sometimes it can read like a fairy tale. In fact, that's probably how you read it as you were a kid, if you grew up in a church especially. It reads like a fairy tale. It reads like this story that we're not really sure if it happened or went through it. And so when you read the story of Jonah, it's easy to, to not really put or, or, or like put emotion with him. But honestly, think about the state that Jonah was in. Let, let's assume that it's true. Let's assume that the story of Jonah is true. He's just lived three days in a whale. Like he decided to not follow God and run away from God and run away from his calling. He got thrown out of a ship in the midst of a storm and then he has lived in a whale for three days. Imagine what his life must be like as he's sitting on the shore of the beach. Like, I don't know if you've ever had PTSD, but if anybody had PTSD, Jonah had PTSD. Like Jonah felt knocked down. Jonah felt like a loser. Jonah felt like he couldn't be used. Like, have you ever been knocked down in life? You ever had something happen to you and you felt like you just completely got knocked down? Like I remember uh, my wife and I, when we were married eight years, um, after about uh, a few years, we got married a couple years into uh, me starting a church down in Fort Myers as part of a church plant. And the church plant went really well. It was growing, it was amazing. We started this company, where, or this organization where we would not only do what we were doing with the church, but we would go out and help churches and help pastors and help their churches grow. And so once or twice a month, I'm traveling, I'm meeting with pastors, I'm meeting with church leaders, and we're, we're helping other churches grow and we're helping our church grow. And it's all going really well, it's all going crazy. We're working like crazy, I'm working like crazy and life is that way. We got two young boys. 
And I remember we went to go see family and we went to Columbus, Ohio, where her family is. And our kids went off to play and she and I, we just went in and we just laid down on the guest bed. Like, you know how you kind of just land? Like, you're just like, oh, we lay down on the guest bed. And she said, Mike, I feel like a single mom. All the ministry out there is all really good, but I feel like I'm alone at home. I feel like I got knocked down. Like maybe you feel like you've gotten knocked down. Maybe you've realized that the path you're on isn't the right path. You've done something and you've messed something up and you've hurt a relationship and you made a mistake. Maybe it wasn't that. Maybe honestly you felt like you got knocked down because someone said something to you or someone did something to you or you had a bad experience or maybe it's a parent or a coach and they said some words and they just stuck with you and you feel like you got knocked down. If you feel like you got knocked down, let me just encourage you that, that I, I think that's how Jonah felt in this moment. He's sitting on the shore feeling like he's completely knocked down, covered probably with a lot of entrails from a, you know, just whatever from a whale, like sitting on this shore, not sure what to do. But, but what's interesting about this verse is it says, Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord. And this, this, this word obeyed is actually interesting. It's a Hebrew word, it's Q-U-W-M. And the way you say it is kum. And it actually means he stood up. And I believe what Jonah did is Jonah was sitting there and when God came to him and said, hey, and God's word came for the second time because Jonah was sitting there feeling like God can't use me anymore. He doesn't have a plan for me anymore. I don't even know what God's gonna do with me anymore. And when the word of God came to Jonah for the second time and Jonah said, Jonah actually heard this word of God that his, his calling was almost, it was almost like awakened in him that Jonah stood up, but not just physically, but I believe that there is something inside of Jonah that stood up when he felt like God was calling him to something and he stood up on the inside saying, God, I'm ready to do what you're calling me to do. And I believe this weekend, God is calling us as a church and as individuals to stand up. There are some things in our lives that God is calling us to stand up. God is calling us to stand up and lead our family. God is calling us to stand up and go to a counselor. God is calling us to stand up and deal with the sin that no one else knows about, but we know about and we gotta talk about. God is calling us to deal with the marriage and we know it's going in the wrong direction. We know it's not okay. God is calling us to stand up and say, we will do something. Men, uh, let me speak to you men because I don't, I'm not a woman, so I'll speak to you men. Let me just say this. Men, God has called you to stand up and to lead your family and to lead your kids and to shut the TV off and be with your kids. And I'm telling you, God is calling you to stand up. He's calling you to stop looking at porn. You gotta stop looking at porn. There is no way to look at pornography and feel intimacy with something on a screen and have complete intimacy with your spouse. It's impossible. God is calling you to stand up. God's calling you to stand up, to start the ministry, to delete the app, to turn off the TV, to go work hard, to change your attitude. God is calling us to stand. What's your area? What's the area where you got knocked down? It's time again. What's the calling you felt like God had on your life, but you feel like you've just been knocked down? It's time again. Maybe it's a church, honestly. Maybe you felt like God was calling you to something and you were at a church and there was some church hurt and a church leader said something or they did something and you felt like, you know what? I'm not, I'm not doing that at all. Maybe it's a ministry. I believe this weekend across our campuses, there's gotta be some people who felt a call to ministry at one point. They got knocked down. This weekend, I believe God is calling us to stand. God is calling us to stand up and to, and to respond to the calling that he's giving us in our lives. And I believe that God is gonna speak to us to stand. And Jonah... Jonah stood up and Jonah walked 500 miles. Like the shore was where he got spit up was not close to Nineveh, but he stood up 
and he headed to Nineveh. And then in verse four, it says, Jonah began by going a day's journey into the city, proclaiming 40 more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. Like when Jonah walked in, and imagine this, this is not spectacular to be honest with you. The city is three days long and Jonah goes in a day and all he says is 40 more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. And he's just walking around the streets. 40 more days, Nineveh will be overthrown. Like he didn't even say that much. He says eight words over and over and over again. But I'll say this, eight words from God, that's all you need. Eight words from here in the Lord, that's all you need. And this is one of the reasons why it's so important to daily like read his word and get into scripture because sometimes you're asking for advice from other people, but you need to get a word from God. And one of the ways you get a word from God is to get in the word of God. And when you get in the word of God, there is something that he will just illuminate in you and you will hear the word of God become the word from God. Okay? And you want the word of God to come from God so that he speaks that to you so that you can actually come alive. You don't need anybody else. I, I talked to a lady this week and I, we were having a conversation and she was talking to me about what to do and advice and I'm giving her advice and talking to her. And then she's like, yeah, and we've been praying. I said, okay, I'm, I'm giving you advice, but do you feel like God said something? Like, do you feel like God spoke to you? Like, where's he led you? And she said, actually, I do. I feel like God told me to do this. And I said, well, then I don't need to give you any more advice. It's settled. Don't even listen to me. Do what God told you to do, okay? That's what we need. We need a word from God, so go to the word of God. Then in verse five, it says, the Ninevites believed God. So they hear Jonah walking around with these eight words, and for some reason, they just start believing God. And the way that you know that they believe God is because the next few verses says, a fast was proclaimed, and all of them from the greatest to the least put on sackcloth. And sackcloth was, it was like what you wore when you mourned in that time. So you put on a whole different type of clothing to show that you were mourning. And when Jonah's warning reached the king of Nineveh, he rose from his throne, took off his royal robes, which signified that he was, you know, he was royalty. He covered himself with sackcloth and sat down in the dust. And this is the proclamation he issued in Nineveh. So not only did he put on sackcloth, he said, I'm gonna say this to the whole nation, command the whole uh, city of Nineveh to do this. So he, wrote, he said, by the decree of the king and his nobles, do not let people or animals. But King Nineveh took this so seriously, he said, this isn't just for people. Your, your horse or your donkey or your sheep or your dogs or your cats or your goldfish, like whatever it is you have. He said, herds or flocks, don't let them taste anything. In other words, we all stop eating today. Do not let them eat or drink, okay? But let the people and the animals be covered with sackcloth. So don't just put it on yourself. Imagine this. Go out to your sheep and your goats and go cover them with sackcloth too. Let everyone call urgently on God and let them give up their evil ways and their violence. And their evil ways and their violence. This, is, this really was how um, the, you knew that they were Assyrians because it's easy to look on the story of Jonah, honestly, and go, Jonah, it feels like you just didn't wanna do what God called you to do. But, but to be honest with you, Jonah didn't wanna go to the Ninevites because the Ninevites were a part of a group called the Assyrians. And the Assyrians, like their army was the cruelest army around. Like they were an army that when they came to town, they didn't just like take over but they hurt you if they took over. They would torture people when they took over. 
There are actually stories of the Assyrian army when they would come into town that if you were alive as a woman, they would rape every woman in the town. They would disembowel every pregnant woman, killing the babies. And if you were alive, they would nail you, like they would like spread eagle, nail you down, take off your clothes, and they would skin you alive. And they would take your skin and they would wallpaper the walls of their city with the skin of the people that they tortured. There are actually stories in the Israelites, like Israelite towns, that the historical records of these Israelite towns, they would see the Assyrian army come. And instead of fighting the army, they knew what would happen and the torture they would undergo. And so these towns would commit mass suicide in order to avoid what was gonna happen. That's what the Assyrians did. And and they, they, they honestly, they decided they weren't, like the Israelites weren't going to fight the Assyrians. So when they gave up their evil ways and their violence, when they give up those things, they're giving up who they are. They're giving up the sense of who they felt like they were supposed to be. But the king said, we are no longer going to live this way. He says, who knows? God may relent with compassion, like maybe God will do something and turn from his fierce anger so that we will not perish. Like maybe if we change our behavior and change who we are and change what we've done, maybe God will do something. Maybe God will stay away. Maybe God won't, won't hurt us. Maybe his judgment won't come on us. And they change their behavior because our behavior reveals our beliefs. And, and if you believe God, if you believe him, it should change your behavior. And this is, important. this is important for a lot of us because for a lot of us, we say we believe God, but if we were to be honest, our behaviors don't reveal that. In fact, for most of us, and you know, as a pastor for now over 20 years, it's interesting because as I talk to people, what tends to happen is we tend to believe God to the point of inconvenience. And as soon as it's inconvenient, we don't wanna believe God anymore. Like, I believe God as long as I'm single and God doesn't try to tell me how to date. Then I believe God. Because because in that one arena where it's inconvenient, no, 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 that's just like old times and I don't really believe it's true. Like, yeah, I'm not sure about that. Like, yeah, yeah, I believe God. Okay, well, let's talk about finances. Oh, (laughs) no, easy, easy. Love your neighbor and all that jazz, but not like giving and tithing and finances and all that and living under debt. I wanna live the way I wanna live when it comes to my finances. Okay, let's talk about loving your neighbor. Oh yeah, I I love my neighbor. Okay, let's, let's assume your neighbor is the other political party. Oh, I don't know about that. You know, we we say we believe God, but we don't behave in a way that reflects it, right? We say we believe God, but we talk about the other political party like they slapped your mom. Like, like it's terrible. And you do it on social media where everyone can hear it. It's like a megaphone. And yes, I'm a Christian. And you post a picture of being at church. And then the next thing you post is slamming the other political party as if they're not individuals, children of God that, that God loves, and we live in this world where we, we say we believe, but we don't behave. I know there's like real timid, like, uh-oh, uh, I got you. We say we believe, but do you behave that way? Where right now, this is just a great question to ponder. Where right now do your behaviors not reflect your beliefs? And here's what we have to do. If we, when we find those areas where our beliefs don't, or our behaviors don't reflect our beliefs, like there has to be a change. In fact, there's a word, a biblical word called repentance. And repentance is the idea that you're walking in a direction. And when you realize you're walking away from God 
and you're moving away from God, there comes a moment in time when you realize, okay, I'm actually moving in the wrong direction. And when you realize you move in another direction, you turn around and begin moving back in the direction God would have you to do. That's called repentance, okay? And, and that happens with humility. Let me be honest with you. To move in the wrong direction, a lot of times we move away from God because we think we know better, we think we're good, we think we can handle it, and we end up walking away from God. But look what it says in James. In James chapter two, it says, what good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith, but they have no deeds? Can such faith save them? And then he says in verse 26, he says, as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. And let me tell you, if there's an area of your life where you're walking away from God consistently for a long period of time, it will kill your faith. And you'll believe that you know better and you believe that you're better. And in Proverbs, when it talks about pride becomes before, or comes before a fall, haughtiness before destruction, you get far enough away from God and this is pride, the separation between you and where he wants you to go moving in a direction. You're headed for a fall and you're headed for destruction. And you're moving towards a direction. I'll tell you right now, you think you know better than God. I'm telling you, when we move away from him, we head towards a place that we don't wanna end up. You're going there when you ignore him. And the way we do that is we recognize I'm wrong. This path is wrong. I'm heading in the wrong direction. And in humility, we turn. Jonah in humility and all of his stuff. I mean, imagine where Jonah was at. He was covered in all kinds of stuff and he turned. The Assyrian king or the Ninevite king, he heard about this and he turned. We've got to turn. Where are you moving in the wrong direction? Where are you walking away from where God would want you to go? And the reason why he calls us to certain things is not to control you. It's because he has a better life. Jesus says that there's a life to the abundance. Like he wants you to live abundantly. We turn towards him. And so that's what Jonah, that's what the, the Ninevites did. And then in verse 10, and this is the last verse of the chapter, when God saw what they did, like when he saw the way that they turned and how they turned from their evil ways, he relented and he did not bring on them the destruction he had threatened. Like he relented, he pulled back. He decided that he wasn't going to do it. Now, it's easy to read the story of Jonah, to be honest with you, and to read the story and Jonah finally, God kind of made him go and he went to Nineveh and he did this thing and then God relented. It seems like a really, really good story. Um, but when we read stories like this, because they feel like fairy tales, like it's easy as a pastor to stand up and go, God has a mission for you and he's got a calling for you and God wants to use you. And honestly, it's easy to sit there and think to yourself, not me. Like, I, I can't, whatever God is calling me to do, like, I'm not built for that. I'm not really there. Like, I, I'm good. I can raise my kids and I can be with my family, but, but that's about it, okay? And, and here's what we tend to think. We tend to think, and I, I have a, a, an oat milk vanilla latte here, okay? This is, this is gonna be an illustration. You're gonna like it. So because everyone likes oat milk vanilla lattes, right? Um, do you remember the first time you had a latte, anybody? Like, didn't it change your life? You remember the first time you had a Frappuccino? Anybody, a blended coffee? Oh, the Lord, that's good stuff right there. I remember, so my, I, 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 don't, I don't drink Frappuccinos very much anymore because they have a lot of sugar in them, but they are incredible and addictive. Is a white chocolate mocha Frappuccino from Starbucks. Woo, 
I'm telling you, if you want to introduce someone and let them know that God exists, give them a white chocolate mocha frappuccino. I'm just kidding. But so, so right now, this is my, my drink outside of just a black coffee is a, is a oat milk vanilla latte. And I think it is probably one of the best drinks. Here's why. And I'll just tell you about the oat milk vanilla latte and give a little commercial for the oat milk vanilla latte is because it has oat milk. So it doesn't mess up my stomach and maybe regular milk doesn't mess up yours, but it does mine. So oat milk really works really well. So we go out and we milk an oat. I don't know how it works, but it just works. And then the vanilla, so it tastes really good. So it's got some sugar in it, which gives you a little bit of boost of energy. Let me tell you, you can talk about sugar all you want, but a little bit makes everybody happier. And then it's got caffeine and come on, we all need caffeine to wake up. Come on, yes, that's right. Coffee lovers everywhere are excited. So th- this, is, this is my drink, right? When, 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 when we talk about being used by God, we think that our job is to be the best. And because we can't be the best, we feel like we can't be anything. But God doesn't call you to be the oat milk vanilla latte, okay? This is gonna work. God calls you to be a strong. God, well, not God. The goodness of God is the oat milk vanilla latte. Our job is to be the vessel that he wants to use to take the goodness of God to people. This straw, come on, pull it out. We all got straws when we walked in. You didn't know why, this is why. Pull it out. Look at this straw, don't open it up. You don't need to make the ushers mad by getting the trash everywhere, but, but just look at it. And here's what I like about these straws, by the way. They're like the bendy straw. So when you open it up, you're gonna be really happy about this. Um, God doesn't call you to be perfect. God didn't call you to have it all together. Okay, this straw right here, let's be honest, it's pretty unimpressive. When you got it, you probably rolled your eyes like, what are they gonna do this time? It's not like, oh, great, a straw. It's like, what am I gonna do with a straw? It's not super impressive. If you don't feel like you're super impressive, good news, God's not looking for that. He's not looking for you to be incredible. He's not looking for you to be sharp. In fact, one of the great things about the story of Jonah is that Jonah's, again, he's sitting there feeling what he's feeling on the shore and God speaks to him. And when Jonah stood up, it didn't say Jonah stood up and then he cleaned himself off. He'd been living in a whale for three days. It didn't say then he got clean and he got better. It said he stood up and he went. Listen, God's not waiting for you to get clean. He's not waiting for you to straighten up your life. He's not waiting for you to completely fix yourself. Hey, listen, we are all a mess figuring it out individually. And God has called us as a church and as as individuals to bring the goodness of God to the people around us who need his goodness. Our job is to be a straw. And let me tell you this, we are two weeks away from Easter. There are people in your life right now, they need the goodness of God. They've been closed off to what God's doing. And and here's a a great statistic. I read a study that said there was a poll that was done by unchurched people. And they said, hey, I've said no going to church, but 82% of people said, if someone invites me on Easter, I'll go. 82%. The best ROI return on invite, not investment, invite is Easter, okay? You're two weeks away. So my question for us this weekend is, who, who do you need to bring the goodness of God to? Who do you need to go invite to? Like who's that person in your life that you need to invite? I believe this season, God is calling us to not be the goodness and not get it all together and not figure it out and not straighten out our lives, but God has called us to be used by him to bring his goodness to people around us. 
So come on, who is that person right now? Who's that person in your life that you need to bring his goodness to? Who's that person you need to be the straw for? Come on, grab your straw right now. Come on, uh, lift it in the air. I want, you to lift it. I want you to think about the person right now. Who's the person you need to bring the goodness of God to? We're gonna pray for those people right now. I want you to say their name out loud. Jesus, we pray for, come on, say their name out loud. And Father, we ask that you would move in their lives. We ask that you would draw them to you. Help us to be the vehicle that you wanna use to bring your goodness to them. God, give us opportunity and courage to invite them to church. Give us the opportunity and courage to speak of your goodness in our lives. Give us opportunity and courage that when it comes up, we can talk about what you've done in us, what you've done through us, what you've done for us, what you've done with us. God, help us to talk about our story of when we've turned away from our sin to your goodness and how we've experienced your abundant life through the way that we've walked away from the way we wanted to do it to the way you have called us to do it. Jesus, we pray right now that you would lead us to the right person and we would speak truth and invite them and that God, they would understand you and know your goodness. And so God, we lift up the straw right now and we ask you lead us to the right person, Jesus. And that you give us the opportunity and you give us the courage to invite them so that we can be used by you to bring your goodness to them. Jesus, I pray that you would give us that courage. Give us that courage to go to that person. We know that they need it, God. And God, we know that we, we are not the goodness that you are. So we submit ourselves and our talents and our gifts, who we are to you. We ask that you use us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.